Preaching, listen to me, preaching has always been, always been a key practice of the church that God used to advance his kingdom. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus begins his public ministry by entering a synagogue. He picked up a scroll that contained the book of Isaiah. He read it to the people, and then he began to preach to them. In Acts chapter 2, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he stands up and preaches a message based on Joel 2, the crowd that had gathered, and 3,000 of them were saved. In Acts chapter 6, deacons are chosen to serve the church so the apostles could be free to preach. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul exhorts Timothy, his young pastor friend, and said, man, you got to keep on preaching. you got to keep on preaching. All the great historical movements of God have come about as a result of preachers and their preaching. Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox during the Reformation, Richard Baxter, Thomas Brooks, John Newton during the Puritan period, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Gilbert Tennant in America's first great awakening. It's always been preaching, preaching that was central to the church and central to the mission of the church to take the gospel into the world, to advance the gospel, of, 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 to advance the kingdom of heaven in the world. Preaching has God's full endorsement. Preaching has God's full endorsement, but preaching today has fallen on hard times. People today seem to prefer other modes of communication. They prefer videos, or movies, or music, or discussion groups, because maybe to us preaching seems boring, and it's too stuffy, and it's too educational, and it's too moralizing, and it's too authoritative for our taste. So a dim view of preaching, a dim view of preaching has developed within the church today. Years and years ago, this wonderful Bible teacher and theologian named John Stott said this, this contemporary world is decidedly unfriendly towards preaching. I have been told in two separate youth groups when I went to, to begin my ministry with him, two different churches, two different youth groups, at the conclusion of the first couple of weeks, I had young people come up to me and say, hey man, we don't need anybody preaching to us. We'd rather play basketball. We'd rather do this, we'd rather do that. Don't preach to us. And I'm like, man, this is what God has called me to do. Whether you like it or not, whether I want to do it or not, this is how God teaches you, grows you up, motivates you to serve him, to love him, to do what he has called you to do. It's not a matter of whether you want it or not, you need it. This contemporary world doesn't like preaching very much anymore, but that causes me to pause. It makes me wonder. I wonder if today's dim view of preaching has anything to do with our biblical illiteracy. I wonder if our dim view of preaching today has anything to do with the lack of spiritual vitality in God's people. I wonder if our dislike of preaching has anything to do with the moral decay in our communities and cultures today. I bet you there's some kind of connection. In the opening verses of Titus, Paul highlights the practice of preaching. And as we seek to fulfill our calling to be a city that's set on a hill, as we determine to let our light shine before others that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven, CLF, we have to keep the practice of preaching central here at CLF. 
Because I believe this is what God has to say to us this morning. Preaching is the primary way in which God creates a people who are zealous for good works. It's a primary means that God uses to grow us up so he can send us out. Let's read this passage of scripture together. Let's go through it really quickly, but I want you to get your listening ears on and think about some of these things this afternoon as you spend time with the Lord, getting some rest, I hope. Let's read it. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word, say it with me, through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for this word, and I thank you for its honesty and its forthrightness and its bluntness. And I pray, Father, that we would hear your message to us today, that we should take the preaching of the word seriously. There may be moments when we are bored, in moments when we find it too stuffy, in moments when we find it too authoritative and we don't want to hear it anymore. But Lord, help us to understand you have chosen preaching, the foolishness of preaching, to manifest, to demonstrate to us your purpose, your plans. Lord, help us to see its importance to our lives and help us to reprioritize preaching. Help us to reprioritize preaching in our churches, and in our lives, because all we really care about is being a people of God that bring you glory. In Jesus' name. The Greek word that we translate preach literally means to herald, or to announce, or to proclaim. And there is no other religion, at least that I'm aware of, that makes preaching a central practice in their times of public worship. Why has preaching been such an important practice in Christianity? This little passage of scripture tells us, first of all, because of its divine origin. Because of preaching's divine origin, it is, has become an important practice to us because preaching is rooted in God's revelation of himself. Verse 3 says, and in the proper time, God manifested in his word through preaching. God has chosen to use preaching to reveal himself, to reveal his purposes, to reveal his promises to the world. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, God the Father planned from all eternity past to send God the Son into the world to redeem us from our sins and to set apart for himself a people who are devoted to good works. Those are the purposes and the plans of God revealed to us in his word. You're not going to hear that you're not going to hear that on the evening news. And you're not going to read about that in the newspapers. What God does instead is he has chosen to reveal himself, his plans, his purposes for us, through the preaching of his word. It's rooted in God's revelation. It's also rooted in his commands. Preaching is rooted in the commands of God. Paul didn't make preaching his primary occupation because he liked to preach. 
He didn't make it his primary uh, occupation because he was good at it or because he earned a good living from it. As a matter of fact, when you read the New Testament record, you see something quite the opposite. It seems as if Paul was always being criticized for his preaching. He was criticized for being hard to understand. He was criticized for being a little underwhelming and weak in his delivery. Nor did Paul preach because it it stroked his ego and made him feel powerful and popular. No, the New Testament record is really clear. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 14, if you remember, Paul was pelted with rocks and left for for dead because of his preaching. Paul didn't preach because he liked to. Paul didn't preach because it made him popular, stroked his ego, didn't preach because it earned him a good living. No, Paul preached because he was commanded by God to preach. In Titus 1.1, Paul identifies himself as a servant of God. And then in verse 3, he goes on to say, I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. You see, Paul identified himself as a servant. He was simply a man under authority doing what he had been told to do, whether he liked it or not. This is what you're doing, Paul. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 16, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Frankly, a lot of times I go home on Sunday afternoons, and that's exactly the verse I'm quoting. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I don't want to. Doesn't make me popular. Doesn't earn me a big income. But this is what I'm called to do. Like it or not, this is who I am. This is my calling. You see, uh, preaching is rooted in the revelation and in the command of God. And we would be foolish here at CLF to see preaching as insignificant or optional. What God has called important ought to be important to his people. What ought to be priority, what God said is a priority, ought to be a priority to us. God says preaching is critical and essential to us as his people, and we need to see it as critical and essential to us as well. God has chosen preaching to be the primary means he uses to reveal himself and his purposes for us. I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, life, death, hell, and worlds unknown may hang on the preaching and hearing of a sermon. Let me put it this way, Facebook meme. The sermon you missed is the sermon you needed. The sermon you miss is the sermon you needed. Preaching is a -a one-of-a-kind activity. There's nothing else like it. But what really sets preaching apart from all other communication methods is its content. It's what we're preaching about. God's Word and God's Son. Paul says in Titus 1-3, we're preaching God's Word, not our own Word. That means for preaching to be preaching, it has to be biblical. And frankly, I hear a lot of preaching being preached and has nothing at all to do with the Bible. It's politics. It's economics. It appeals to the basis of human emotions, greed. Makes you want more of the things of the world. That's not biblical. Preaching is to be preaching, it has to be biblical. And the whole point of preaching, the whole point of preaching is to speak God's word in human words. Not human words that have just been given a religious flavor. A lot of that kind of preaching going on today. And because it's biblical, that means it ought to be expository. I'm not talking boring. 
I'm talking expository, where the preacher's goal should simply be to expose and explain the clear meaning of the text, not make it up on the fly, not imposing some kind of spiritual slant to it so he can get into your pocket and take what he wants. The message of the text ought to be the message of the preacher. The message of the Bible ought to be the message of the sermon. What the text says, the preacher should say too. And we know, it, we know this to be a fact. Too often preachers use the Bible text only to support their own opinions rather than let the Bible text say what God wants to say. Listen, you don't need to know what I see in the text. You need to know what God says in the text. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15 says, do your best. And this is our calling as preachers that stand behind this pulpit. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the truth. That's our calling. And anything less, anything less can take us away from what God is clearly saying in his text into heresy and into stupidity and foolishness. But we don't just preach the Bible, we preach the Christ of the Bible. After all, what's the Bible about anyway? It's about Christ. The whole Bible is about Christ from, Gen from uh, Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, this comes to light when we read about two men who meet the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, 7 says that Jesus, beginning with, the Mo with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus explained all of Scripture with himself as the key to understanding it all. Christ is the hope and the fulfillment of all the Bible, so Christ should be the focus of every message. Guess what? You're not the focus of every message. Your desires are not the focus of the message. His desires are the focus of the message. How much of our preaching, how much of our singing, how much of what we do is man-centered, not Christ-centered? Which explains, I think, why we're so weak and we stumble so much. Because our focus isn't on Christ, it's on everything but Christ. Preaching is Christ-centered. It ought to be. For the promises of God find all their yes in Him. So here at CLF, I'm trying to cast a little vision out here. Not just to you, but to me and to these pastors and everyone else in leadership here, we're going to preach God's word as faithfully as we know how. When someone comes up here and stands behind this pulpit, we're going to do our very best to let you know what the Bible has to say to you in this moment to bring out of you the very best that God has put in you, to raise up a people that know what it is to glorify God with their good works to bring God glory. We're going to preach God's word faithfully, and in preaching God's word faithfully, we're going to preach the heart of the Bible, and the heart of the Bible is who? Jesus. Jesus, him crucified, him raised from the dead, him living forever at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. It's all about Jesus. My desire for all of us who stand in this pulpit to preach is that we will imitate Paul, who said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what we proclaim is not ourselves. What we proclaim has nothing to do with us. It's about Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus Christ as Lord. We're only servants telling you what he has given us to say. 
Why do we preach? Why do we preach? Is there a purpose for it? Of course there is. And this is the purpose of preaching. This is what God has said makes preaching so important to us and why we need to make sure that we carefully and faithfully practice preaching when we gather together for worship. The purpose of preaching is to elicit faith and instill in God's people a knowledge for the truth. To elicit faith and to instill in God's people a knowledge of the truth. In Titus 1.1, Paul says that he was appointed by God to preach for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. And in its most basic sense, preaching is designed to bring people to faith in Christ. Again, let me remind you what Romans 10, 17 says. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Preaching is God's means of bringing faith to life in the hearts of God's people. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jill talked about it just a minute ago. She said she, she was struggling and she listened to a sermon. And in the sermon, it, the preacher said, let it go. And she did what? It elicited faith in her, and she let it go. That's what good preaching does. It refocuses your, refocuses your attention, not on your circumstances and situations and your lack, but instead it focuses your attention on Christ Jesus, who has given us everything we need for life and godliness, who has already met every need we could face in this life. It elicits faith in the hearts of God's people. Preaching is God's means of bringing faith to life in our hearts. But more than that, more than that, preaching is designed to impart to us a knowledge of the truth. God uses preaching to help cure us of the fatal disease of ignorance. Ignorance kills. Some of you walked for so long in ignorance. You had no idea how much God loved you. You had no idea that Christ Jesus sacrificed himself for you, paid the penalty for your sins on the cross, and you walked in shame and guilt for most of your life. Why? You didn't know any better. But suddenly, God in his mercy, God in his grace... Revealed to you his goodness and his plan of salvation, and you took him at his word. You turned from your sin, put your faith in Christ, and now, my Lord, everything has changed. Everything has changed. Ignorance kills. And most of us have stumbled around for far too long in ignorance. And the reason why some of us are still stumbling along, even though we've found, we, 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 we have faith in Christ, we've trusted him for salvation, we're still struggling in areas of our life because we're still ignorant in some of those areas. But when we hear a sermon that puts our focus on Christ, and we hear in that message what Christ has already done and the instructions he has already given. And we think to ourselves, whoa, that changes everything. And we start putting into practice the things that we hear. 
And we start living this thing out day by day, step by step, moment by... Suddenly, we're walking out of our darkness and confusion into a place of light and life. Ignorance will kill you. Knowledge will set you free. Knowledge will set you free. It brings freedom and deliverance. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You need to hear this. The preaching of God's word is his remedy for your ignorance. Would you say that with me? Is it up there? I put it up there, didn't I? Would you just read that last sentence for me? I, I want you to think about that. Julie, I want you to think about that. John, I want you to think about The preaching of God's word is God's remedy for my, say my ignorance. The preaching of God's word is his remedy for my ignorance. And some of you won't show up next week. Can I be straight? You won't show up next week. And you'll wonder why am I still struggling. Just saying. Just saying. When God's word is preached, faith comes to life. And when God's word is preached, the knowledge of the truth renews the mind. And when faith, listen, when faith comes to life and the mind is renewed, it results in transformation. R. Kent Hughes says, we cannot be profoundly impacted by that which we do not know. When faith comes to life and the mind gets renewed, your life will change. Your life will change. And God will be able to use your life to bring him glory. You will find yourself walking in those good works he has prepared in advance for you to do. You will find yourself living in his will, obeying his commands, living in the blessing and the promise and the purpose for which he created you. As Paul says in Titus 1.1, knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. Knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. A life of good works. All right. Thank you for your patience. We're going to bring it to a close. God works through preaching whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not. God works through preaching to create a people who are devoted to good works. Listen, this is not the only way God does it. I understand that. It's only a, a significant part of the, of, of the process that he uses. 
Preaching's not the only way. He works in us to, to bring faith and, and renew our minds and transform our lives. We need to understand that. Preaching's not the only way, but it's clear it's a primary way. And of all the church practices and all the church qualities we're going to look at in the book of Titus, preaching will always remain the main one. And that's why Paul begins his letter to Titus talking about it. Well, here, here's a little vision for you guys. CLF, listen to me. If preaching is primary, if it's that significant to God, if it's that important to the Lord that we prioritize preaching, then we in CLF will keep it primary. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. Whether we like it or not. I only want to be obedient to the Lord whether I like it or not because I know whether that's, that, that's where the blessing is. That's where the freedom is. We need to keep our preaching biblical. Everyone that stands behind this pulpit, Chris, me, Brian, John, everyone that stands behind this pulpit, I challenge you to keep these messages, these sermons biblical, expository, giving clearly to the people what God has said in that text. It needs to be a central practice. It needs to be central in all that we do. So even though I may not like to preach because it's hard work and a heavy responsibility and emotionally demanding, I see it as my duty to the Lord and to you. Because I have received a charge from the Lord, the same charge as Timothy received from Paul when he said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's what we're called to do as, as preachers who stand behind this pulpit, like it or not. Sometimes I really don't like it. Like when you're frowning at me right now. I don't like that. But there's a responsibility that you bear as well. And I want you to listen to me carefully. I take my responsibility seriously. Will you take your responsibility seriously? Even though you may not like to listen to sermons. And you may find them too stuffy and too boring and too authoritative. Too preachy. Don't you hate it when a preacher gets preachy? <laughs> Will you prioritize the preaching of God's word as it comes to you through the preacher? Whether it's here at CLF or whether the Lord leads you to another church down the road, it doesn't matter to me. I want you to stay connected to God. And one of the ways you stay connected to God is to consistently put yourself in a place where God can speak to you through the preacher as he exposes to you and explains to you what the word of God has to say to you. I could not be more serious. I have seen too many people disconnect themselves and go out and shipwreck their lives. Where if they had just stayed connected, if they had just continued to put themselves in a place where God could speak to them through this simple-minded little preacher, they may not have done, made the mistakes that they made. They may have avoided those pitfalls that were out there. They may have been able to escape the temptations and the snares. But because they didn't stay connected, because they didn't put themselves in a place where God could speak to them through this simple-minded preacher. 
terrible things have happened. Come on, can I get an amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because some of you have found your way back. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. I've got to say this. We're going to keep preaching central. Not because the preacher is central. I'm just a servant. These guys, they're just servants. We're going to keep preaching central. Not because the preacher is central, but because God and his word are central. God and his, that's why we try to instill in these kids an understanding, a knowledge, a working knowledge of the word of God. You're not going to make it unless you know what the Lord has to say. And we're really good at making it up if we're not sure, aren't we? Do you know what the Lord has to say? Because I believe in hearing the word of God through preaching, you're going to come to a greater knowledge of the truth that leads to good works, and your good works will cause God to, will cause others to glorify your Father in heaven. That's why preaching is going to stay central. Bow your heads, close your eyes for just a few minutes. Man, oh man, oh man. Thank you for your patience, guys. Thank you for your patience. I really hope you go home and you think about some of the things that were said today, and I hope that you will see how important God's word is to your life. Important enough that you will make it a priority. A priority not only to study it on your own, not only to study it together with other people in small groups. I hope that you will see how important it is to prioritize it, to make it the main thing, one of the main events of the week, to gather here on a Sunday morning, to hear the preaching of the word together as a fellowship, because it's in the preaching of the word God is going to sharpen us, unite us, embolden us, empower us to become that city set on a hill that we're supposed to be. God's going to use his word to elicit faith in you. And he is going to use it to lead you. To teach you and train you in the truth through knowledge of him. And he's going to transform you. He's going to transform us. That's what his word does. It's transforming. It's life-giving. It changes us. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. 